Uh, hi, my name is Barry Sterling Mitchell. Today is December 7th, 2022. My grandson's second birthday, Benny. It's the boob of the second birthday. But this is Ben and Barry on football. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> this is Ben Dickerson, your co-host. I am happy today, not because it's my birthday, but because I went 12 and 2 last week. Holy mackerel. With, of course, the one tie that I'm not going to take any credit for, nor uh, am I very upset about. As far as my record is concerned, I'm simply upset about it because it involved my New York Giants. But yeah, 12 and 2, man, I smoked that thing last week. I think I had about, or the net point rankings had about five wrong. So I had five. And we do have a new bias plus buster of the week that's coming up. So that should be fun. But let's get to the numbers, Benny. Let's get to the numbers. The lower third, which is not a true third, just a few extra thrown in there, but we have ranks 21 through 32. Uh, interesting, interesting uh, list of teams in this area, both in ANP, average net points, APF, average points for, average points against, which is APA, and our friend Todd, averaged out at ATLD, average turnover differential. So you have a few teams in this that are down in this area which still have playoff aspirations. I'm just going to do the net point rankings. We'll let you take a look at the scoring uh, in general, the defensive scoring in general. And again, both net point rankings and turnover differential can be both positive and negative. From 21 to 32, in both of these situations, everybody's in the negative. So we have Atlanta, New Orleans, and Carol Carolina going from negative 1.8 to negative 3. Uh, tied with them is Green Bay at negative 3. Chargers at negative 3.1. Denver at 28 is negative 3.2. Arizona, negative 4.6. Chicago, negative Negative 4.8, I believe, I'm sorry, Arizona and Chicago, 4.8. Pittsburgh at 29 is negative 5.3. The Rams are negative 6.6. And the, the Indianapolis Colts are negative 6.8. Houston is in last place, 32nd place at negative 8.3. So again, average net points, the differential between your points scored and your points allowed or average points for and average points against as they are statistically issued by the NFL. And then you have your average turnover differential because turnovers can equate to points. We utilize the Pythagorean calculation. These are the teams that are in the negative. You've got a, actually a one, two, three, four-way tie at negative 0.2 between Atlanta, Green Bay, Vegas, and Chicago. That's 21 through 24th place. Then you have another one, two, three-way tie between Miami, Kansas City, and Carolina at 
0.3, that's a negative. That takes you from 25th to 27th. Uh, Cleveland is minus 0.4 at 28. Houston, minus 0.5 at 29. The Rams, minus 0.6 at 30th. New Orleans, minus 0.9, 31st. And Indianapolis, last internal differential at minus 1.1. So those are two of the main uh, um, categories. We're looking at scoring. It ranges from 20.4 20 point, 20 points per game on average down to 13. Denver is in last place at 13.8 points per game scored. But you're looking at the Giants, the Saints, the Packers, Washington, Carolina, Tennessee, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Rams, Indianapolis, and Houston rounding out your 21 through 31. And then defensively, kicking it off is Minnesota at 23.3, tied with the Rams. If you're tied with the Rams, that can't be good. Um, average points allowed at 23.3. Um, Houston, Atlanta, Miami. Uh, well, Houston finishes the 23 area at 23.9. Then you join, everybody has 24 point something between Atlanta, Miami, to Vegas. And then Cleveland is where you kick off 25 points allowed per game. That's 25 through 25.8 for Cleveland, Seattle, Chicago. The Chargers, Arizona is giving up 26.8 points per game. And Detroit, amazingly, is in last place allowing 27 points per game, Benny. Detroit. Why do you say amazingly? Because of where their offense is. <laughs> it's just, remember I talked about that differential in ranking? That's like a super wide differential in ranking right there. We'll we'll, we'll catch up with them, with their offense. But uh, you got this, anything on this? Uh, I'm just going to repeat what I said last week. And when I look at average net points, which I believe is the overall ranking, of each team, uh, once we put together their average points for and their average points against, I only see one team that I think still has a chance to make the playoffs, and that would be the L.A. Chargers. And their chance could possibly be starting to slip away if they don't quite get it together. Yeah, we're at that point where you win a game here and you clinch some level of the playoffs. The Eagles are on the verge of that, and I think a win by them, they'll clinch. Let's go to the next group, 11 through 20. Now, this group is a little more serious here about the playoffs, kicking it off with Miami, and you've got some positive and some negative. So Miami and Minnesota are actually tied at 0.8 on the positive side. That's plus on average net points. That's when you begin, or the next point is where you begin the negative point, where you've got 13 through 20. You got Tampa Bay, Washington, Vegas, the Giants, Detroit, Cleveland, Jacksonville, and Tennessee. So those are those are teams are in the negative, barely. You know, they they they're right there. If they were in water, they they'd be. Their nose would just be slightly under the water. You can drown there, though. 
Scoring-wise, you've got Minnesota coming in at 24.1 points per game. Baltimore just below them at 23.8 in 12th place. Then you have my Niners, 23.5 points per game. They are actually rising in their points per game production. L.A. Chargers, 22.7 in 14th place. Atlanta, 22.2 in 15th. Arizona at 22. In 16th place, Jacksonville, 17th at 21.5. JTS, Jets, 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 the only team I have any family that ever played for, is 18th, uh, scoring 21 points per game. Chicago and New England round out 19th and 20th at 20.8 points per game. And again, I always think that the neighborhood is so interesting, you know, uh, right now, they're talking about the Chargers being a, like a, a real disappointment. And they are right there next to my Niners in score. <laughs> you know? Um, but we know what, where, where they have some of the issues at. Um, average points against Tennessee is an 11th. Your Giants, 12th place, allowing 21 points per game. And Cincinnati allowing 21.3 is at 13th. Then you have a group of 22 point per game teams rounding between 14 to what's that? 18, where you've got Carolina, Kansas City, Jacksonville, and New Orleans, and Indianapolis. All between 22.2 and 22.9 points per game. And Pittsburgh and Green Bay allowing 23 points per game, rounding out 19 and 20. Um Here's your turnover differential. Everybody's either positive or breaking even. So between 11 and 20, uh, you pretty much, it's pretty close because what, 0 0.2 or and or 0. New England, Cincinnati, Detroit, Jacksonville, Arizona, Denver, Washington, the Jets, Tampa Bay, and Buffalo. So Denver's on the positive side of the turnover differential. They just ain't scoring any touchdowns. Bottom line, what do you got on this group here? Uh, they got a lot more problems than worrying about getting turnovers. That's for sure. But uh, again, looking at average net points list, you have several teams there that are very close to the top of their division races, if not at the top of their division races. Um, they're hanging on by a thread, though, because either one side of the ball or the other They've been a little lacking, but they still have time to get it together. Bottom line is if you can win your division, you know you're going to be in the playoffs. And if you're in a weak division, it's a must that you win these last few games and solidify that uh, division championship, which would pretty much put whoever's in second out of business. Unless because, because there are some strong divisions in the NFL in both the AFC and in the NFC where we're going to get two and possibly three teams out of the same division. So even if you're in a weak division, it is imperative that you not slip and make sure that you win that weak division. I'm talking to you, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, <laughs> Don't slip, all right? Just win the division, get to the playoffs, and then it's a whole new ball game after that. Um, other than that, this second group from 11 to 20, has a couple of teams that I'm confident will make it, but only a couple, okay? 
the fact that some of them are pretty good in the points for category, but not so good in the points against or vice versa is what actually tells the story as to why they are where they are. Yeah, you know, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of skepticism on Minnesota and Baltimore right now. Um, but if they're scoring around 24 points per game, you know, my magic number is 28. So they, you know, they're gonna have to get their, that up unless you've got a dominant defense. And you know, notice how I just gave my own Niners a little pass on that on that rule right there. So let's get ready to go to the top 10. Can I get a drum roll, please? Oh man, you suck at drum rolls. Gee, Christmas. Don't do drum rolls. Don't do drum rolls. Don't do no stinking drum rolls. All right. Here we have our top 10 average net points, and we have a new number one, a new champion for the week, Benny. A new one at the top of the hill. It is the Dallas Cowboys at plus 10.6 points per game. Dethroning Buffalo, who I think Buffalo's been number one like since the beginning of the season. Yeah, probably. I do believe at 10.3 points per game. So that point three points separating the two top guys there. Philadelphia is coming in at 9.3 points per game. And that's third place in average net points. And again, ladies and gentlemen, if you were looking at North excuse me, normal standings just based on win-loss, the Philadelphia Eagles would be in first place. So that's the first-place team with third-place net points. We'll take a look at that further. Right behind now, my San Francisco 49ers at plus 7.7. So remember how we weren't exactly scoring a lot of points, but look where we are in terms of net points, and that's going to tell you something about the other side of the ball. Kansas City, 6.7. Now, they kind of doing it in reverse. You know what I mean? They, where it's not the defense that's pushing them. That differential is being held up by the offense. We'll talk about that. Cincinnati is who's scaring everybody right about now. Joe Burrow, they're talking to Joe Montana, Benny, and saying, hey, how do you feel about Joe Burrow now being the new Joe Cool? <laughs> Montana said he can have it. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> he wasn't taking none of that. Um Seventh, Baltimore, 4.1, and these are all plus numbers. Jets, 2.4, Patriots, 1.9, and Seattle, 1.2. So there you go for your net points. Run the, the scoring here. Kansas City's in first place. Average points for at 29.2 points per game. Philly right behind them, 28.2 points per game. So that's that 28 championship numbers I'm looking at. That's a scary two teams right there, boy. I'm telling you. Uh, Dallas and Buffalo coming in at 27.8 points per game for third and fourth place in the tie there. Seattle at 26.5 points per game. Now, that's 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 what's holding Seattle up. And so that's why Seattle is coming in number 10, even with that weak, weak defense. That offense is putting up 26.5 points per game. Same thing with Detroit. They're only 0.2 points apart at 26.3 points per game. That's my point with both of them. Radical difference between 
you know, uh, where they're ranking for offense and for defense. Cincinnati's coming in at uh, seventh with 26 points per game. Miami, 24.9 at eight. The Vegas Raiders, 24.3 points per game. And Cleveland, 24.2 points. So interesting, especially with Cleveland. Um, Jacoby Brissett held it up. They bring him out, and the rest of the team held him up <laughs> because the offense didn't do squat last week for the Cleveland Browns. Um, but they scored every which way you could other than that. Um, my Niners are in first place defensively, allowing 15.6 points per game. Denver, Dallas, and Buffalo are in that 17 point, uh, 17 to 17.4 points per game range at 34th and 5th in defensive scoring. Uh, the 18, allowing about 18 points per game. You have Tampa Bay, the Jets, New England, and Philly. Philly's eighth there. So there's uh, five, six, seven, and eight. Baltimore and Washington tied for ninth and 10th place at 19.7 points per game allowed. So that's the defense's allowing from 15 to 19 points per game. Your offense is your top 10 to scoring from 29 to 24 points per game. Your turnover differential, your hero here, number one, Philadelphia Eagles at 1.1 average turnovers plus, plus 1.1. Um, Dallas coming in second at uh, 0.8. Minnesota third at point seven, Baltimore fourth at point five. We have a one, two, three, four, five-way tie from fifth place through ninth place at zero point three for the Niners, the Chargers, the Seahawks, the Steelers, and the Giants. All of them right there, and then Tennessee rounds out the tenth place at zero point two average turnovers in their favor on the plus side. So, Benny, look at that, man. That's stark there. San Fran down to Washington, 15 points per game to 19 points per game allowed. Washington, I mean, excuse me, Kansas City to Cleveland, 29 down to 24 points per game. Well, sir, once again, when we look at average points for and average points against and even turnover differential, that just shows you how teams are jockeying for position and how they're doing it, either with offensive strength or defensive strength or pretty good strength both ways. The teams that are closest to the top in both categories are going to be the teams that are going to be the highest in net points. But when you look at net points and your top 10, again, remember I said in the second group you showed and the bottom group that you showed, I mentioned that there are a few teams there that should still be playoff bound. However, when you look at the top 10, every single team in the top 10, except one, is either leading their division or in a strong second place, which means there's one team in the top 10 that's going to have to make room for another team to move up into the top 10. After that, there'll be four more spots to reach for the playoffs. And also, as mentioned last week, there's still two divisions that are not represented in the top 10. 
and may never be. They may have to grab one of those last four spots. And tell them again who, who they are. The New England Patriots are in last place in the AFC East, yet they still hold the number nine spot in average net points overall. That's That's got to give. Something there's got to give. Okay. Now I don't I don't remember who was eleven through uh, fourteen, but there's some room for growth and movement there because fourteen teams make the playoffs. So that's that's where those other teams, the Tampa Bay's and the um, uh, who's the other team that's missing? Tampa Bay. Who's AFC South? The Tampa Bay's and the Tennessee's. Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Maybe perhaps with five games left in the regular season, one of them can move into the top 10 and move New England out, or maybe both of them will have to squeeze in somewhere in the, the top 14. But that's where we're headed. And I'm beginning, I, I heard a couple things that made me kind of get the feeling that they're reading Tennessee as potentially saying, okay. We're just going to put the, the young guy in there because this ain't this ain't happening right now, you know. How does You're talking about Malik Willis? Yeah, you read that? I'm telling you, I read it or heard it some somewhere. Just keep your eye out. The, I wouldn't do that. The, the question is that, and we can talk about this when we get to the to matchups. How do you hold Derrick Henry to what 36 yards? That that is an amazing stat. So I'm going to take a look at that. Um, your top, uh, your, your your number one group here, Benny, only had the only has one AFC. Uh, so we don't have that uh, that AFC NFC championship stuff that we was talking last week. <laughs> um, and again, Denver is second. And again, I believe that is an indictment an indictment of Russell Wilson that you have. The number one thing I remember us just assuming when we when they were talking about, you know, Denver, they had a good defense. We, we just kind of, yeah, they, got, they had a nice defense. We had a nice defense. So that right. was just assumed, you know, and apparently they do. And he came in there, and with that defense, you know, you can't score 20 points a game. You, you'd be like Minnesota. You know, you might you might have a net uh, average uh, net points in the plus, but it might be by a fraction, but it'd be in a plus. And with that fraction, and this is one of the things that we tracked um, that they kind of mentioned on some of the on, on a couple of the shows. Let me see if I can go. Oops, wrong way. All right. Um, about Minnesota, Minnesota is 10 and 2 with an average net point of 0 0.8 they have an average positive differential of less than 1 point <laughs> that's right but they are 10 and 2 and that 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 in itself they're starting to look back at history and they're like when has this ever happened before <laughs> so it's crazy it's crazy all right, Benny, we are pretty much finished with the Sterling Pro Football Net Point Power Rankings through Week 13. Um, any last 
comments on this before we move no, on to I'm looking forward to doing this week by week and watching how teams move around. Um, like I said, you know, you're looking at division winners and second place teams in very strong divisions with good records taking up the top rankings here, just as they should. I, I'm I'm going to be very curious to see how this thing plays out over the next five weeks. Five weeks of NFL football regular season left the regular season will be done in five weeks you believe that is that it just seems like it's whizzing by it's 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 been a crazy season it's been crazy um good morning football had the people who do the schedule on today and they were talking about all the new flex things that they'll be doing moving games not just from like a, a evening to a, 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 a you know a late uh, a prime time or from uh, prime time to early afternoon, but from one network to the other network. <laughs> so it's like they'll so we're gonna get CBS this game and we're gonna get Fox this game, you know. And That's pretty cool. Did they so, say yeah, why they would do something like that? I'm sorry. Did they say why they would specifically do something like that? The I know why they flex out. The competitive time. level of the game as as you ending up your seasons. Well, no, 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 no. I understand that as far as the time. Okay, moving a particular game to prime time and moving a particular game to one o'clock. I understand that. I'm talking about the changing of the networks. I, I think. When you change time, sometimes it necessitates. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because certain networks right. are locked in for particular games. At particular right, time. right. Time I got it. I got it. You know, I got it. You know, so they, it's they not kept really. It, they kept it very really, general. We're going to. It's not really. We're taking this game from Fox and giving it to CBS. It's really we're taking Denver off a primetime game because we thought they were going to be good and they suck, and we're <laughs> going to put them on and we're going to move this team. I get it. Anywho, you know, they were very general for, for knuckleheads like me, you know, and I kind of heard what they were saying. They also had a guy from the uh, safety, in charge of safety. And I, I'm just mentioning it real quick because I know we've been, we've had some conversation on the show about turf, you know, and there's been some movements about turf and the grass and all of that kind of stuff. But the guy basically says statistically, as they're looking at it right now, the turf that's out there, there's very little statistical injury difference between the turf and grass. And he says, and they're, 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 uh, they're working on improving the turf technology and then that's moving forward, you know, if, if somewhat slowly, but they're operating on that basic research that's saying they don't see a big difference between grass and this turf. Well, from what I read, that may be true if you just say the difference between grass and turf. But what I read was there's three different kinds of turf and one is better than the other two. That's what the players are saying. The cities that have this one particular kind of turf are the ones that they're really going after. Um, I hope- I mentioned the names a couple of weeks ago. I would have to look them back up again. Each, each kind has its own name. Well, you know, 
as there's as they are establishing standards for these you know for the turf um and, you know for the fields it'll be interesting to see you know how they rectify that situation we'll have to keep our eyes on that but i didn't want to go too far into that just wanted to mention that real quick congratulations to the number one teams here dallas kansas city san fran and philly your top five buffalo philly san fran and kansas city and average net points KC, Philly, Dallas, Buffalo, Seattle, and scoring, San Fran, Denver, Dallas, Buffalo, and Tampa Bay, and defense, and in turnover differential, Philly, Dallas, Minnesota, Baltimore, and San Fran. And we like it when a team is in more than one category up in that top five to top ten group. So that, that always says something. All right, Betty, you ready, 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 ready for the matchups? Yes, sir. First one we're going to go to is Raiders at Rams. Bias plus score 7.9 favors. You guessed it. The Raiders. Because the Rams suck, and that's just how it is right now. <laughs> the Rams at the bottom of the net point power rankings. The Raiders are at least above water. I do believe they were above water. But in any event, they have a, a much better – they have a positive differential over the Raiders. So there you go. Raiders at Rams. Bias taking the Raiders. What do you got? Okay, so the Raiders are going to go to L.A. to play the Rams. I want to remind everybody about the speech that Derek Carr made a few weeks ago. He stood at the podium after a home loss to the Indianapolis Colts back in week 10, and he actually cried. He shed tears. And along with the crying and the post-game interview, the things that he said, among some of the things that he said, was he criticized some teammates. He didn't name names, but he criticized some teammates for not being completely bought in to what it is that the Raiders are trying to accomplish. That's a big deal. Since then, the Raiders are 3-0. Carr and Devontae Adams took it to the Chargers last week, just like they've taken it to their last couple of teams that they played. Carr actually threw two touchdown passes. Both of them went to Devontae Adams. He caught eight balls total for 177 yards. Also, the run game has been incredibly strong over the last few weeks. People who have Josh Jacobs in fantasy are probably living a dream right now. They knew Jacobs would be a good fantasy running back, but they had no idea he was going to actually win games for them late in the season like he's doing now. I can say that because he's doing it for me. He ripped off 144 yards and a touchdown on 26 carries. So they go to L.A., they play the Rams. Unfortunately for the Rams, the hangover continues. They're three and nine, and uh, there's no end to this in sight. I, all I see is losses coming for the Rams. So I'm going to take the Raiders in this one with no problem. I think the Raiders are on a big-time roll. Okie dokie. There you go. There you go. Um, let's see here. Next up. Browns at Bengals. By the score, eight favors the Bengals. There you go. 
Ohio Bowl, right? Yeah, this is a big division matchup. Hey, Ben. Yes. Real quick, talking about Ohio. I posted on Facebook. There's a Mitchell in Ohio. Surprise, surprise, surprise. You see that Cleveland-LA game? Cleveland-LA game. Donovan Mitchell went Oh, you're talking about NBA? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you didn't know Donovan Mitchell was on the Cavaliers? Uh, you know, I haven't been watching Bro. basketball that closely, but I happen to be, you know, tuning in on that one. And I'm like, you, man. Okay. That was one of the biggest moves over the offseason. Man, look. He was getting it in. All right, I'm sorry. Browns and Bengals. Bachelor score eight favors the Bengals, and Ben has... Well, the Bengals have the bias, as they should. Uh, they look like the real hot team in the AFC right now, especially after that big win over the uh, Chiefs. But let's talk about the Browns first. So it's not very surprising that the Browns handled Houston last week. But what was a little surprising, at least to me, I'm sure some people are going to say they weren't surprised at all. But it was a little surprising to me was how rusty Deshaun Watson was. Obviously, the guy hasn't played in a while. I knew there was going to be some rust, okay? But all reports out of Cleveland were when he was practicing in the beginning of the year and practicing when they let him come back off the suspension that he looked really, really good. All they did was praise the guy. I should have known better. He was pretty bad. He was, in fact, he was real bad. He was throwing worm balls or worm burners, as they call Balls into the dirt, killing worms and bugs and stuff in the grass. <laughs> Crazy. He threw a bunch of bad balls, and luckily he was only picked off once. Now, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt played pretty well, but the Browns went the whole game without an offensive touchdown. That's a bit embarrassing for you, Deshaun Watson. I'm sorry. That's bad. That's embarrassing for the Browns overall, considering they were playing the Houston Texans. Um, special teams and defense supplied all the scoring. They had a pick six, a scoop and score of a fumble, and they had a punt return. Um, not a good look for the Browns, especially going into Cincinnati, who, like I said before, is probably the hottest AFC team out there right now. Cincinnati quarterback Joe Burrow outplayed Patrick Mahomes. I don't care what anybody says. And the Bengals defeated the Chiefs. The score was 27-24. Burrow was stellar. 25 of 31 286 yards, two touchdowns through the air, one touchdown on the ground. His 31 pass attempts were matched by 34 total rushing attempts with Samaj P. Ryan filling in for Joe Mixon, carrying the ball 21 times for 106 yards. So you had a very balanced offense, not to mention great numbers by Joe Cole Burrow. Uh, oh, and by the way, the, uh, the Bengals' defense has been getting hot over the last couple of weeks, if you haven't noticed. They sacked Mahomes twice. They hit him eight times. They stripped Travis Kelsey for a fumble recovery. So the Bengals are looking good. I'm taking the Bengals over Cleveland in the Battle of Ohio. And over the last three weeks, the uh, Cleveland actually is plus 3.7 net points, um, but Cincinnati's plus 4.7. So Right. Uh, even even as they're doing what they were doing, and again that it, that for for Cleveland to have a plus three point seven with the way that Deshaun played is is, is an interesting um, you know a statement on their their team. 
you know, what they actually have. Um, but okay, we shall see how this all works out. Bengals, Browns, next up. Oh, oh, oh. The Eagles are invading your territory, Benny. They're coming up to see your New York football giants with a big fat A bias plus score 13.1. Woo! The Eagles. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, them boys is hot. So the Eagles are 11 and 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. They hosted the Titans last week, and the defense promptly. Shut down Derrick Henry. Boom. They held Ryan Tannehill to 141 yards through the air with one touchdown, and they sacked him six times. Boom. Offensively, the birds proved that they can win almost any way they want to. That's what's really, really scary about the Philadelphia Eagles right now. The week before, they put up a ton of yardage on the ground and hardly had to throw the ball at all, or basically were able to throw it at will anytime they wanted to and won a game. Then they come back, barely run the ball at all, mm. and just light up the Tennessee uh, secondary to the tune of 380 yards and three touchdowns. Oh, yeah, by the way, Jalen Hurts ran one in on the ground also. A.J. Brown, who was in revenge mode, caught two of the TD passes from Hurts and had eight receptions overall for 119 yards and a nice uh, touchdown celebration too. Uh, wow. The New York football giants, my team, they played the commanders last week and they played to a 2020 tie in overtime. I'm not happy about that, but I'm glad it wasn't a loss. The giants defense gave up 275 yards and two touchdowns through the air and 165 yards and no touchdowns on the ground. They also recorded five sacks, one fumble recovery. Unfortunately for the Giants' offense, the Washington defense did basically the same thing to them. Hence, we end in a tie. Now, this is still an interesting game to me. This is an intriguing game of the week uh, uh, possibility here for me. I don't know if you'll consider it, but I would. I think that the Giants have an opportunity to win this game. But they're going to have to put the ball on the ground and they're going to have to really move the Eagle defense. The crazy thing is the Eagles have gone out of their way over the last couple of weeks to shore up their run defense. So I guess last week I took the Giants with my heart over my head and they ended up with a tie. This week I got to go back to using my head and not my heart. I'm going to pick the Eagles on this one. All right. All right. Yeah, well, yeah, I didn't want you to hurt yourself here, man. So glad you did that. Glad you did that. But what's going on with Saquon now? Because, you know, if they do to Saquon what they did to Derrick Henry, it's going to be a long day. Uh, it'll, it'll be a long day on the scoreboard, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Because <laughs> let's face it, the Giants can only score if they can get into the red zone and possibly score a touchdown or kick field goals. The only way they can really move the ball 
consistently is on the ground. I'm not saying Daniel Jones can't throw the ball. I'm not saying they have no passing attack at all. But the strength of their offense, obviously, is their run game. If they get the run game shut down, they could get blown out. It, it could get ugly. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying there. Okay, all right, all right. Um, let's see here. Okay, I wanted to make sure I was going in the right direction. Jets and Bills. Division matchup. Last plus score, 7.9 favors the Bills. Bills have been playing ex excellent, but they've lost Von Miller. Done for the year, Benny. Don't expect yeah. Cups a week, couple weeks ago, looking ahead, this game looked like very interesting, okay? But then the Jets took a really tough loss to the Vikings last week. Mike White came crashing back down to earth. Uh, he threw for a very inefficient 369 yards. That doesn't sound right. 369 yards is a, is a pretty good day, yardage-wise. But he was only 31 of 57. That's a lot of incompletions, man. And he was unable to throw any touchdown passes, but he was able to throw two interceptions. Not good, Mike White. Uh, I saw some people on Facebook saying they should put Zach Wilson back in. I'm not so sure about that, though. I'll tell you. <laughs> How many attempts did he have, Benny? He had 57 attempts. That's far too many pass attempts. For the New York Jets. Jets doing? That, that, yeah. Their, their run game was non-existent. You can't have that. I mean, that's not even fair to him, you know? Right. And we're talking about the Vikings, whose run defense is nothing to brag about. Oh, I think what happened was they felt they fell behind kind of fast. And after that, they just went to the air like crazy. Okay. All right. Yeah. So anyway, they got to go to Buffalo. That's not good. I'm sure it's going to be cold. I guess they got all the snow cleaned up. Buffalo got rid of the Patriots last week with relative ease. The offense came with a very balanced attack and went three for three in the red zone, which is really good. I talked about uh, Josh Allen in the red zone last week and how he had thrown another interception. So three for three in the red zone, three scores for three chances, and no picks is a big deal for the Bills. So take the Bills. Take the Bills. I don't blame you. Where are we going? Which way? Uh oh. Texans at Cowboys. Just feed those Cowboys the raw meat there. Just maybe heat it up a little bit before you feed it to them. I think this is the largest bias plus score of the weekend. Seen Probably is. Bigger. 24.1 favors Oof. the Cowboys. And now that they're in first place, that's plus 10. They're, they're plus 10 right off the bat. Yeah. So if the Texans go in the negative direction – then that differential gets wide quickly. And then you also have the, uh, the turnovers that were in their favor. So big bias plus there, Benny. Who you got? Well, the Texans have to go to Wally World. Not Wally World. <laughs> AT&T Stadium, I'm sorry. Jerry World. Jerry uh, World. <laughs> not only is the Houston Texans offense anemic, 
but they turned the ball over to Cleveland four times last week. So even though they caught a rusty Deshaun Watson and a Cleveland offense that couldn't seem to find the end zone, you give them the ball four times, what do you think is going to happen? Okay, that's the plate of the Houston Texans. Dallas, on the other hand, looked extremely dominant again. Uh, this time they were at home against an overmatched Colts team. Dak Prescott only averaged 5.7 yards per pass completion, but was a very efficient 20 of 30, and he threw three touchdowns. Tony Pollard and Zeke continue to be an impressive one-two punch on the ground, and the defense recorded three sacks, three interceptions, and two fumble recoveries. Dallas is clicking on all cylinders right now. you got to go with the Cowboys in this one. This one could be a real ugly blowout. <laughs> and it could be the bias plus plus. No, I, I don't think so. <laughs> well, it, 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 I tell you this. We could probably get to see uh, what's his face again. Who took over for Dak when he was hurt? Rush Cooper? Right, yeah, we'll probably get to see a little bit of Cooper. Might see some Rush. Okay. Yeah. Not, not bad. Now, Benny. This Rush could Cooper. be my Cooper intrigue. Rush. You got me saying, yeah, Rush Cooper. <laughs> Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. <laughs> Cooper Rush. I'm Bass Ackridge. What can I tell you? Jaguars at Titans looks to be my intriguing game of the week. Really? Smallest bias plus of the week at 0 0.2, favoring the Jaguars. Oh, this is a tough one. And after the Titans' embarrassing game against the uh, the Eagles, I'm thinking that they want to get this together. And then, and then I also mentioned maybe we could see Malik. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with the Titans. Long story short, very small favor. And I think this is one of those favors where the, the turnover differential swung it from one team to the other, the Titans over to the Jaguars. So, well... Titans weren't the only one to take a bad loss last week. Jaguars took a bad loss to the Lions. And it's crazy after they had just had that really nice win over the Ravens the week before. Uh, they couldn't get anything going against the much maligned Lions defense. And defensively themselves, they had no answer for red-hot Jared Goff, who we'll <laughs> talk about later. Uh, the Titans rolled into Philly last week and left with their feelings hurt. One touchdown and a field goal in the second quarter was all they could muster as they were completely dominated on both sides of the ball. That being said, this could possibly be a trap game for the Titans. Now, since you mentioned Malik Willis, I will say this. The Titans are in first place in their division, the AFC South. As long as they're in first place in their division and have a chance to make the playoffs, as a division winner, you will not see Malik Willis as quarterback unless Tannehill gets hurt. So you can forget about that. That's good point. Happen. Huh? That's a good point. Oh, okay. So anyway, take the Titans. I can't trust exactly. the Jags. Like I said, could be a trap. Uh, could be a trap game. Dougie P could get him up for this one, but I don't see it. I got to go with the Titans. Going against the bias, going with the Titans over exactly. the Jaguars. We shall see how that goes. All right. You were talking about them being red hot as far as their offense is concerned. The Vikings, we were talking about how they're winning by this 
skin of their chinny chin chins on average, the bias plus score of four. And when I see the number four, I think about Desiree favors the Vikings. Ah, uh, wow. Okay. So again, division game, Lions are playing the host, Vikings go on the road. What looked like an intriguing game on the surface between the Vikings and the Jets last week actually turned out not to be one. The 27-22 score was misleading because the Vikings defense only gave up one offensive touchdown on a goal line quarterback sneak, and the Jets had to keep kick five field goals to make it even look close. Um, oh, by the way, the Vikings defense, who a lot of people believe is what's really holding them back, not Kirk Cousins, but the defense has been up and down. Remember last week I called him fire and ice as a team, and I called Cousins fire and ice as a player. Okay, well, they were fire last week. Uh, they also collected two interceptions. Now, the Lions offense really is no joke. We keep saying that, and they keep proving us right over and over again. The defense played well last week, but the offense is unquestionably uh, – they unquestionably have a nose for the uh, for the goal line. Let me put it that way. Um, week 10 versus the Bears, they scored 31 points. Week 11, another 31 points against my Giants. They scored 25 points on week 12 against the Buffalo Bills. And last week against the Giant, the Jaguars, they won very impressively in a route 40 to 13. What else can I say about the Lions offense except you do not want to see them come up on your schedule because you know you're going to be in for a game. Jared Goff was on fire, 21 of 31. Very impressive, Jared Goff. 21 of 31, whopping 340 yards, two touchdowns. And DeAndre Swift, Philly's own, starting to get his mojo back after coming back off of his uh, injury. He had 14 carries for 62 yards, and he scored a touchdown. This is a tough call right here. Ben. If this, if this oh, isn't an intriguing game, I don't know what else could be. Listen to this. Listen to this. Before you give your answer, you would, you said it looked intriguing until the game got going, right? No, I said the Vikings-Jets game looked intriguing. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Well, it was my intriguing game of the week last week. Right. Okay. This was that. the opening paragraph. Because the bias plus score was 1.4 and it favored the Jets. Right. When you look at this bias plus score and see the New York Jets favored, you have to say, what? Aren't <laughs> the Minnesota Vikings first in the NFC North Division and second in the National Conference with a 9-2 record? Then you look at the New York Jets. Aren't they third in the AFC East with a 7-4 record? Strangely, the answer to all these questions is yes. And thus, we have my intriguing game of the week. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, the Vikings took it to them. And they took it to them defensively. And I was a bit surprised. I really was. But that's where we're at. Now, Lions are home. Vikings defense. Eh, I don't know. I'm going to take the Lions on this one. Going with the Lions, eh? Yeah, I'm going with the Lions. 
Man, bias for the score four favors the Vikings. Ben's going against the bias, going with the Lions. All right, well, I can't be mad at you. Go get them. All right, this might be a get right game for the Ravens, maybe. But wait, Lamar's not going to be back, is he? I don't think so. He's week to week, so they're saying. Ravens that steal is by a split score of 10.2 favors. The Ravens, most of that 10.2 was built by Lamar Jackson, but right now they've got, is it Brett Hundley? Yep. Brett Hundley, who seems to be able to run for the Tyler, 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 Tyler Hundley. Um, for the most part, what Lamar runs, um, he just might not have the 40 time. So, who you got on this? Well, I like Tyler Huntley. I really do. Let me just say that right off the bat. Um, he's proven in the past when Lamar was injured that he can run this offense. He's pretty efficient. And I'll tell you, the the the, the good uh the 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 bulk of the stats that were put up last week against Denver actually came from Tyler Huntley. But uh the Ravens lost to the Jaguars in week 12 and barely beat the, de the toothless Denver Broncos last week, 10 to nine. This was not a game they could be proud of. To make matters worse, going forward, quarterback Lamar Jackson with his knee injury is now being called week to week. So they don't know exactly how bad it is. Uh, so back up Tyler Huntley. And the Baltimore offense struggled against the Denver defense, which still, even with no help from their offense, is very, very good. But on the Ravens' last possession, they drove 91 yards with Tyler Huntley at the helm. 91 yards in 16 plays, and Huntley scored on a two-yard run to secure the victory. That That's a well. heck of a drive, Benny. That's a heck of a drive. 91 plays, yards. 91 yards. Plays. Yes, sir. Man. Yes, sir. That's why I said Tyler Huntley is a nice player. Probably top three to five backup quarterbacks in the leagues. I know we like to talk about backup quarterbacks. He's, he's probably the one backup quarterback that is extremely close to having the same skill set as the starter. And, uh, you know, like I said, that bodes well for the Baltimore Ravens. Anyway, they have to play division rival Pittsburgh Steelers, who are hanging on and playing really hard. Let me just say this about the Steelers, because I found, found this a little heartwarming. So I'm not going to get into a lot of stats with the Steelers and all that. I'm going to tell you this. Veteran Steelers defensive tackle is Cameron Hayward. He lobbied for and got the Steelers to draft his younger brother, rookie tight end Connor Hayward. They went to Atlanta to play the Falcons and got up early that morning before the game and went to the gravesite of their father, Craig Ironhead Hayward. Iron Remember Ironhead? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ironhead was running back for the Falcons back in the 90s, and he's buried in Atlanta or the suburbs of Atlanta, and they both went to their dad's gravesite before the game. Wow. During the game, Cameron recorded the Steelers' only sack of the day, and he broke up a pass, and Connor caught his first NFL touchdown. All right. Okay? 
heartwarming, Ben. It's heartwarming. I know that's heartwarming. All that being said, I'm taking the Ravens. Ten point two ain't nothing to joke about there. Um, and you know, you, we were talking. You, you mentioned backup quarterback. I heard somebody, and again, I don't know where I heard it in the media say this is the year of the backup quarterback. Wow! <laughs> I'm like, holy mackerel. The more you think about it, the more it is. Seems that way. Okay. Panthers at Seahawks. Basketball score 6.6 favors the Seahawks again. The the corollary to the Lions in, tar- in terms of being a high-scoring offense and a defense that gives up a lot of points. Panthers just told Baker Mayfield, said, okay, uh, I think so, you know, we we agree to disagree and you can move on. He when he goes and gets picked up by the Rams. Um, so they're running with um Sam Darnold and PJ Walker. Am I right about yeah, that? I, I think they're pretty much locked in on Sam Darnold right now. Uh they're coming off a bye. So chances are that Sam Darnold took most of the first team snaps and they're gonna go with him until he screws up or gets hurt. And then PJ's waiting in the wings. Uh releasing Baker Mayfield was probably good for Baker, considering he went on waivers and the Rams were able to scoop him up. This might be, I don't want to speculate too far into the future, but this might actually be a really good move for Baker Mayfield. Setting him up with Sean McVay, this could turn his career around. If he blows this, if he blows this, I'm telling you, because the guy they got, what is his name, Wolford? Yeah. Baker's Baker's better than him. Baker may finish up the season. Well, Ben, now Baker has the best job in the NFL. <laughs> Backup quarterback. <laughs> yeah, He's gonna have to go in there. You know, somebody was saying on the on the uh, one of the stations, they were like, um, when when it was when Kaepernick was available to be picked up, people were saying, Oh, we can't get him. He's gonna take him two to three weeks to get used to what we're doing, to get ready to play. He's going to have to learn the playbook. He's going to do this. He yeah, said, same he's got to turn around and say, yeah, Baker might start next week. <laughs> right. It all so depends they, on they the, saw the necessities of the team. If the team necessitates that Baker Mayfield go in there, he's going to go in there. That's what they got him for. He's a veteran, a young veteran at that who's already been through, even when he was on the Browns, three different systems. Okay? So he 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 knows what it's like to have to take a crash course in an offensive system with a new offensive coordinator. That's no big deal for him. I'm not saying he's going to come out firing and be super proficient. All I'm saying is he can do it. He's been through it, and he can do it. But like right. I said, they're coming off the bye. Panthers are coming off the bye, so we'll have to wait and see how they look. Uh, meanwhile, the Seahawks defeated the L.A. Rams, who were just talking about Baker Mayfield going to them. And the Seahawks are sitting in second place in the NFC West, right behind your 49ers. Geno Smith continued his career season with a career-high 367 yards against the Rams through the air, of course, and he threw three touchdown passes and – with two, oh, oh, the Rams played hard in this game, by the way. They really did. 
With 2.56 left in the fourth quarter, the Rams were winning. Smith directed a 75-yard drive and hit DK Metcalf with the winning score and left 36 seconds left on the clock for the Rams. And, of course, Seahawks defense shut them down. So I'm going to go with the Seahawks in this one. They're at home. Geno is looking like he wants to win the MVP or something. It's incredible. This is a great story for the Seahawks and especially for Geno, a team and a quarterback that weren't really expected to do anything special this year. And look at them. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we, if anybody was tough on Geno, it was me, you know. and uh, Oh, I was too. You know, but you got to give him his, his due there, you know, and what he was, what, what he's doing here. All right. Panthers, Seahawks. I'm just looking at the schedule. That's a 425 game. The Chiefs, remember, remember, that's another 425 or 405 game. Remember the um, commercial where the guy, um, um, wrote the name in the end zone. Oh, the chef. Guy, the chefs. Yeah. <laughs> Want to get away? <laughs> Buys plus score 8.3. Chiefs at Broncos. The chefs at Broncos favors the chefs. They're going to serve it up. Ben. Yes. At our Facebook page, I do believe I shared this. Uh, to me, it's hilarious. Someone has a chart they're tracking on on Twitter, okay, where they got Russ's, the number of bathrooms in his house. Oh, come on. Versus the number of touchdowns oh. that he scored and what it's going to take for him to reach the number of bathrooms in his house. Oh, <laughs> that's, I'll tell you, man. He has become a laughing stock. I just I thought that was hilarious. He, I think they're like he got he has to average one point something something touchdowns per game to reach his number of bathrooms. <laughs> I'm taking the under. You're taking the under. Chefs <laughs> and Broncos. Well, oh, oof. so anyway. In an extremely entertaining game to watch, the Chiefs took an L, which doesn't happen very often, to the red-hot Cincinnati Bengals. And with the Chiefs up 24-20 in the fourth quarter, Mahomes completed a pass to Travis Kelsey, who made a really nice run after the catch, but got stripped by Bengals linebacker Jermaine Pratt. He also recovered the fumble, and then the Bengals drove down the field and Joe Burrow's TD pass uh, beat the Chiefs. Not a good ending for them. I expect them clearly to bounce back and not with much trouble. The Broncos' offense is pathetic, and all they could put on the board against the Ravens last week was three field goals. This will be an easy one for the Chiefs, probably a blowout. Interesting that the box plus is not that big. At eight point three, only because you know, of the Broncos' defense. Yeah, once the Chiefs get rolling. Once the Chiefs get rolling, I don't care how good your defense is. If you can't match score for score with them, you can't win. 
The only way the Broncos would have the remotest of chances is if they were able to get turnovers. And even if they get turnovers, you can't put the ball in the end zone, so what good is it? But you are talking about, what, the number two offense versus, what, the number two or three defense, right? That is correct. So that that at least could. could okay, so I'll take back the blowout. <laughs> I'm still taking the Chiefs. That that could make it at least a you know somewhat competitive you know um, the, for a little the, while fourteen fifteen points per game that uh, Russ is putting up is uh, is not gonna is not gonna get it with a team that's scoring close to thirty a game, but their defense you know we got to see I, I I might be interested to see how their defense stacks up against that offense because we keep talking about how good they are. Ben's going with the Chiefs, going with the bias. Buccaneers at 49ers. Bias plus score 9.1 favors the Niners. Well, Ben, I said we was going to get Tom Brady into uh, San Fran, but, you know, I didn't mean it like this. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, Buccaneers, Buccaneers. You know, um, Brock Purdy. What did he say? Something about the 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 number of years that Tom Brady's been in the NFL is more than he was before. Longer than he's been living. Born like before he was born. He's only twenty two. Yeah. So (laughs) Bucks got to go to San Fran. Uh, Last week they needed a win in the worst way. And they had to scratch and claw their way back from a 13-point deficit to Division New Orleans in order to get the win. That game was much tougher than it should have been. I'm not 100% sure this might be it for Tom Brady. Not because they're not winning like they used to, but because he didn't look really good. I'm, I'm telling you, the last couple games, Brady looks a little shaky. Not saying he can't turn it on later. Not saying he can't win a playoff game. Because I'm pretty sure they'll probably win their division. But I don't know. He's not the same Tom Brady to me. Anyway, they got to go to San Fran and play the Niners. Niners hosted Niners East, which is our nickname for the Miami Dolphins. It was a very highly anticipated game, especially for us. I I know it was for me. Uh, unfortunately, in this game, the Niners lost their starting quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, to a foot injury that was thought to be season-ending, but now is being reported as maybe not being season-ending. There's a possibility that he could possibly, I keep saying possible, possibility, possibly. Possible, possibility. Possible, possibility that he could come back during the playoffs. Um... They did say it wasn't a Lens Frank injury for anybody who knows anything about the feet. So I guess that's a good thing. That's what they thought it was uh, initially. Um, anyway, Jimmy G goes down, in walks Mr. Irrelevant, the last player selected in the 2022 NFL draft, backup quarterback Brock Purdy. This guy looked like Jimmy G with a different jersey number on. He was a solid, to me anyway, he was a solid 25 of 37, 210 yards, 
He threw two touchdown passes. Clean off the bench, bro. A rookie. And let's remember the Niners offense is loaded with talent, and they used every bit of it. Uh, the ground game was solid between Christian McCaffrey and rookie running back, the one I like, Jordan Mason, and Purdy spread the ball around pretty nicely. Defensively, hey, Niners are a top defense. They handled the Dolphins' uh, talented skill position players, everybody except for Tyreek Hill, that is. He still had a big day, but it wasn't enough to get them close to getting the win. Uh, they sacked two or three times. They picked him off twice, and they forced him to recover the two of fumble. So Niners were way too much for the Dolphins. I think they'll also be way too much for the Buccaneers. I'm going to stick with the Niners. Brock Purdy, baby. Do you remember, Ben, again, when we did the show where we did the brain trust and we also did the, um, the drafts and the free agents? Yes. So who are all the new people and who are all the old people? And I remember saying, Man, that's strange that they would take a quarterback with, with the final pick of the draft. Remember we saying that? You know, because right. all the talk was about Trey Lance. Right. Jimmy Garoppolo. And we weren't thinking about a third quarterback at that particular point. But in the Neither were they. Them, Neither uh, were they. Remember they were letting Jimmy go. Yeah, that's true. Trey was going to be Trey Lance's backup. That's true. That's true. That's true. And they got – and and – I do have some information on him. I don't know if you want it now. We can we'll talk, we can run through it real quick at some particular point. But I will say this. One of the things you like about quarterbacks coming into the NFL are the guys who played four years, started off four years. Yeah. He did. Yeah. Yeah, he did. That's good. He's one of those guys. I, I'll tell you, he looked really poised. But I've seen that before with a guy that gets rushed into a game because of an injury. Let's see how he handles a week of practice with the number one offense and the team actually getting a little bit of film and game planning against him. That's like with, uh, with Mike Mike White um, at the end of the uh, at the end of the block. I said, let's see if he can put together two good games. <laughs> yeah, but remember, Mike White played last week, last year. He did, but it, he didn't put together two good games last year. Right. <laughs> so that was the question. Can you do it this year? Yeah, I'm just saying they had film on him. They got nothing on Purdy. Well, now they got something on him. Yeah, they got a half a game and they'll pull out his college tape. Yep, they sure will. They sure will. Um, okay, so you're going with the Niners, going with the bias. Yep. That should bring up the Sunday night game. Dolphins at Chargers. Now, this also lends itself somewhat to be an intriguing game as far as I'm concerned. Small bias plus score of 1.5 favors the Dolphins. You know, they want to get back on track. And the Chargers, uh, I'll let you talk about them, but they're still – they're not out of it. They just have to kind of get a few things together. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, but this is kind of the same tale we were talking about them last week. I know this is a home game for them. I know the Dolphins are looking for a bounce back. It's a long trip from Miami over to L.A. Um, Niners handled them pretty good. Two or three, two touchdown passes. One of them, I think he threw on the first play of the game. The other one he threw late in the game. But in between those two touchdown passes, he really struggled. 
and they never got their running game going. Obviously, the Chargers defense is nowhere near as good as the 49ers defense. So this could end up being a far better game. I, I, I don't know what to say about the Chargers. Obviously, Justin Herbert is a top-notch quarterback. Obviously, he's they've got a nice passing game because of him. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams is injured. Uh, Austin Eckler is great out of the backfield, running and catching passes. But the defense is shaky. This one's a tough one to call. The Dolphins got the bias, right? Yes, sir. Okay, I think the Dolphins are going to win this one on the road. I really do. I think they bounce back and beat the Chargers. Okay. Well, we shall see. Uh, don't know how bad uh, Tua got beat up last week. We'll see if he uh, has any lingering issues. Um, but yeah, also, you know, bad. Hmm? Uh, uh, hold on one second. Brock has a brother. Did you know that? There's another Purdy out there. Oh, really? Yeah, and he's a quarterback. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm going to get – now, this is – I want to give you his name because it's it's hilarious. <laughs> his name is Chubba. Chubba Purdy. What? Chubba Purdy. Was he in college? Yes. Is Brock's little brother. Um, for whatever reason, my computer is not moving at all. But we'll talk a little bit more about him when you get a chance. You can you can look him up here. And his younger brother, Chubba Purdy, also became the starting quarterback at Perry before they recruited them to Florida State as a dual threat. A dual threat quarterback. Okay. Yeah. So Chubba Purdy uh, transfers. It said November 30th to Florida, uh, from Florida State, to transfer from Florida State to Nebraska. Okay. Nebraska's Chubba Purdy on his brother Brock's influence. So Chubba, watch out for Chubba, y'all. Y'all thought Brock was a bad man. You know, Brock was the 2017-2018 football player of the year. Mm -hmm. You know, so Brock was no joke, man. And it's amazing how you can be all of that, let's say, in high school and all of that kind of stuff. And then, you know, you get to the NFL and you're like a regular guy. <laughs> you know? oh, it happens all the time. I tell you. I tell you. Okay. There's a lot of talk. I think I hit the, the button by accident, but let's look. And I do believe this Benny will complete the weekend as the Monday night matchup. Patriots at Cardinals. Five plus score 7.1 favors the Patriots. All right. So where's the Cardinals head at? Where's Kyler's head at right I, now? I have no clue. I have no oh, clue. Goodness. I, I really don't. But they're at home, and the Patriots are kind of reeling. Uh, they hosted the Bills last week. It turned out to be a really tough game for the Patriots. They only converted three of 12 third downs. Okay? They went to third down 12 times and only got three first downs. That is not good for your offense. And they only reached the red zone one time in their game against the Bills. Now, I understand, yeah, it was the Bills. Excuse me, but still not good at all. 
Um, Cardinals are coming off the bye. As far as I know, most of their playmakers are going to be healthy. So I like the Cardinals at home in this game to beat the Patriots. You like the Cardinals? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. No, a little surprise. A little surprise. All right. There are, at this late stage, still bye weeks. NFL Week 14. Oh, yeah. I didn't mention that. And there's a bunch of them, too. You got the list? There it is. Can you see it in front of you? Yes. Falcons, Bears, Packers, Colts, Saints, and Commanders are all on the bye. Say it with me, right, Benny. Say it correctly. Commanders. Commanders. <laughs> Commodores. The Commodores. <laughs> Give me a Commodore song real fast. Oh, God. Easy like Sunday morning. Uh, is that a Commodore song? Or is that I what's the name song? I don't know. I don't think he was with the Commodores when he wrote that. Close enough. <laughs> well, Betty, when we finish up the Bias Plus reports, there's one last piece of business that we always have to handle, and that is to give a hand to the Bias Plus Buster of the Week. In this case, you talked about their dynamic, can't stop them offense. They had an unfavorable Bias Plus score of 5.1. They had a net win of plus 26. For a bias plus buster score, highest of the week, 31.1. Congratulations to the Detroit Lions. Good job by the Detroit Lions. Very impressive. Jared Goff, very impressive. <clears throat> now, Benny, I have one last thing because you asked me to do this. So I actually did a little extra. I remembered I asked you to do something, but I couldn't remember what the heck it was. You wanted me to take a look at Madden to see where Brock. Right, 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 right. Versus right. Jimmy G. Right. Well, here you go. Oh, look at that. <laughs> the height and the weight are real close. Real close. Real close. Now, you see a, a 20 point differential on the overall. Oh, sure. Um, but if you go over to awareness, you see almost a 30-point differential. So that's where it's at. Yeah, we're talking about a veteran as opposed to a rookie. Right. So we'll watch that number change as he continues to play. One thing I'll say about Madden, I've been getting roster updates like almost daily. Like I get them all the time. I check them okay. every day. They seem to be more frequent now this year than they were in previous years. Okay. So I'll say this. So just to go across the top, you have strength. They're matched at 63 of strength. Acceleration. Um, That's not right. That, can't that be ain't right. I think I have that backwards. Purdy is 86. Jimmy is 71. There's no doubt about that. There's your awareness. Uh, break tackles. Purdy's higher. Uh, throwing power. They're about the same. We gave, right. Jimmy G's numbers went up a little bit from the earlier in the season. I think I mentioned that to you. Mm -hmm. um, short accuracy, uh, Jimmy's uh, 90, Brock's uh, 80, 84. Um, That'll go up. Medium accuracy, 86 to 76. Deep accuracy, 80 to 71. Throwing on the run, 
You see, all of those are in Jimmy's favor, but they will change. Uh, throwing under pressure, um, that might that 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 differential shouldn't be that high as far as I'm concerned. Right. Um, breaking away from sacks, and I do believe that's uh, that might be backwards also. I think, but in any event, um, and then play action, and the, the reason that that zero point eight there is because of my Excel. That's really an eighty. So that should be an 80. Okay. I just put the decimal point in the wrong place. In any event, Pretty I've close. had to play with Brock. You know, let's yeah, see how this works. I, I need you to start using him, man, so we can see what we got. I've I've been I've run I've played two games, man, and Brock is good. Uh there's a few times when, you know, a few passes could be a little more accurate. I think that'll improve. Right, but he's mobile, you know, and like you said, there's not a physically, there's not a big difference. Right, there's not a big difference. He can throw. It's not like he can't throw deep. And right. let me tell you something. Kittle's easy to throw to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, McCaffrey's easy to throw to. Uh, Debo. They're all pretty easy to throw to guys, and you don't have to throw it deep. This is probably the closest thing to the Tua, the the, the um, Niners East, and, and what they're going to be doing. And it was going to be that way anyway, even with Jimmy. So mm -hmm. a lot of people are saying, you know, they won with by limit. They won by limiting Jimmy's throws. You know, in the past, they'll win. They can win by by limiting his throws and. Even Joe Montana said he just has to distribute the ball. You know what I mean? That's all he has to do. If he does that, the defense and everybody else will take care of all the other stuff. And right. Plays. So there you go, man. Purdy versus Jimmy G. Jimmy G might come back. But and, – and let me tell you also this last piece in the back of my mind. Remember when I said that as far as I saw it, Kyle Shanahan took Trey Lance because he thought, I can build him. I can make him a monster. You know, if he gets in my offense and I and gets under my tutelage, you know, this guy is going to just, you know, he's going to explode on the NFL. Well, I right. think he feels that way in general and even looks at Brock Purdy that way. Like, you know, he, he has the raw talent to do what I need done and I can really improve on his capabilities. And I think that's what he's looking to do. So. It'll be very interesting to see, um, you know, because it, nobody seems to be afraid to ride with Brock at this particular point. You know what I mean? So here you go. Brock Purdy versus Jimmy G. Not a whole, whole bunch of difference. Got it. All right. All right, Benny. That's about all I got. So all you got? got? Uh, wow. Just to throw it out there, I don't care. I don't know if anybody cares, but just to let you know, you know, I always say go Knowles. So this is where the Knowles are at. Our season is over. We are now preparing to go to nationals, the flag football national championships, UFFL, United Flag Football League in Orlando, Florida. It'll be Martin Luther King weekend. Um, the January the 12th 
through the 15th. So it's a three-day tournament. Um, that's what we're preparing for now. We've been practicing on Sundays, brought in a couple new players, trying to put everything together. And it looks like we're going to have a nice squad going down. Already prepared our housing, uh, got all our fees paid. Now we just have to get our flights and we'll be ready to rock. Wow, wow. Congratulations on that. We're looking forward to hearing how that works. I did want to mention one last thing, Benny. Yep. At Ben and Barry on Football, on our Facebook page, you'll have the uh, article where the NFL has revealed the 32 nominees for the 2020 ah, yeah, yeah, Man yeah. of the Year Awards. So okay. all the nominees are there. Go check out Ben and Barry on Football. All right, you got the last word. That's it. Go Nose. Mm-hmm. <laughs>